Uh, are we live? I want to say hi to our Facebook Live community. Thank you guys for tuning in. Before we kick in today, a couple of things. Um, that, the love and marriage ball uh, that, that we mentioned, I'm telling you, we need couples. Sign up for this. I know you may have been to other church events. That is a love and marriage ball. And you eat and you sit around and hear somebody give a corny message or something like that. Here's what we do at ours. We eat and we dance our tails off. We, we believe in dancing and celebrating. Uh, so, and you say, Kelly, I can't dance. Listen, neither can I. But man, it's fun trying. It's fun just getting out there and acting a fool for a little bit. And I promise you, uh, if you've never seen Bob Kerber dance, watch him and you will not feel bad about your dancing at all. So join us. Also, if you've already signed up, can't turn around and wave at Candace back there in the back. Candace, wave at them. You need to see her today because we need to get information about what you want. Uh, we've got a menu, and we need to find out what specific items you want for that. All right. Next thing, Century Hurt Rehearsals kicks off this week in full swing. Yeah. <laughs> How many have never seen our production called Centuries? Oh, my gosh. It, it's going to blow your mind. I, I was trying to explain it to a guy down in Birmingham this past weekend. He said, well, what is it? I said, it's the story of Jesus told to rock and roll music. And I, I'm not Christian rock. I'm talking about bands like Kid Rock, talking about uh, Fall Out Boy, uh, uh, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm, I'm talking about people like that. When we say rock opera, that's what it is. And they say, why, why do you do that? I said, because the people we're after aren't turning on J103 and listening. <laughs> people we're after are listening to other styles of music. And so get mad, look down, we don't care. We know what God's doing. Uh, but also, Candace told me to tell you this, and I, I am directing this year, and that should scare some of you. Uh, we need you to be at every rehearsal you're supposed to be at. It is vital. We want this to be the best year yet. And we still could use a couple of men in some different roles, non-speaking roles, so don't worry. You, we just need your body. I know your wife may have never told you that, but we're telling you, <laughs> we just need your body. So... Come on, you know that's true. You know that's true. So, <laughs> but uh, we've got rehearsal schedules in the back as you leave. Hey, next week, we're kicking off a series that I had not planned on doing. It's called A Marriage Story. And uh, these first four weeks of the year, Denise and I have counseled with more couples than, than we probably did all of last year. And I'm convinced of this. The enemy is out to destroy families and marriages. I'm convinced of it. And so we're going, and I'll go ahead, I'll say this every week, but I am pre-warning you. This will be PG-13 because marriage can get messy. Marriage can get ugly. And contrary to popular belief, it's work. If somebody tells you otherwise, they are lying to you. Marriage is work, and we're going to talk about some real issues and some real things. So I want to encourage you, be here for that. Uh, where was I going? Oh, yes, PG-13. Did I say that? So if you leave here having to explain some things, you were warned. So, 
Um, well, are you ready for our final message in the Resolution Road series? This has been one of those series that, man, every week somebody, hey, PK, this is, man, you kicked my tail this week. But can I t- be honest with you? This is one of those series that has kicked my tail every week. It's one of those that I'm like, my goodness, Kelly, you've got to do some things different. And I love that. And, that, and I'll say that because you need to know these are things I'm where I don't get up here speaking like I've got it all together. Are you hearing me? I'm, I'm telling you, these are things we've got to work on if we want to have lasting change and transformation. We opened up the series uh, with this statement. If you want a lasting change, lasting transformation, it starts with you saying yes. Saying yes to the voice of God. Saying yes. It starts with surrender. You realizing there's a God and it ain't you. Are you hearing me? Week two, we talked about the process. Uh, the process in, in our walk with God, in our faith walk. And get this, it involves breakthroughs, yes. But it also involves setbacks. There are going to be times where you feel like, I'm killing it. And you'll wake up the next morning wondering if you're even a Christian. Come on, can anybody relate? It involves those setbacks and, 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 and breakthroughs. Um, but, but we talked about Philippians 1.6, where when you start the process, he said this, I am confident of this one thing. He who began a good work in you, he will finish it. No matter what it looks like, he will finish it. Are you with me? Um, Week three, we talked about repentance. Anybody remember the Greek word for repentance? Metanoia. Metanoia. My wife, see, she heard that the first service, so I'm not sure if she, you knew it? Oh, mm, mm. I'm in love with you even more. Um, Metanoia. It simply means an about face, turning and going in the opposite direction. We talked about if we want true transformation change, it's got to be an attitude of repentance. Last week, I miss being here, and I really did miss, miss being here. Uh, but I heard Pastor Ben knocked it out of the park. Did an incredible job. And we were gone last week to a conference down in Birmingham, Revive Conference. It, we were on a missions trip because nobody in, in Alabama saved. Uh, so, <laughs> come on now. Come on now. <laughs> That wouldn't, that wouldn't be, that's only funny because it's true. No, no. No, I was down there speaking at, a, uh, I spoke at a men's breakfast and then there was a conference that whole weekend. And thank you guys for allowing us to get away because it was a time where we, we got filled up. I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, whether you're a minister or whether you're just a Christian, you can only give and give and give out so much to, until you're scraping from the bottom. And this was a, a weekend, man, we got to hear from some incredible Incredible ministers. And in fact, I talked to one of them, um, um, Pastor Friend, uh, about bringing him up to speak to our men and his wife to our women because Denise went to the women's breakfast and she was just phenomenal. And so uh, we're looking at bringing them up for possibly having a night when he speaks to her men and then another night when she's speaking to her ladies. But incredible. But this week, we're going to end this series Called fin- with a message called Finishing Strong. Now, let's start out with a question. How many, be honest. Be honest. Listen, I know you're a church. You're not supposed to speak, but be honest. How many you would say, I'm a great starter, but I'm a terrible finisher? Yeah. 
I'm great at starting projects, but I get distracted and I'm terrible at finishing. Let me, I, that's me. I, I'll be on. I'm a great, when it comes to starting a diet, I'm the best starter. But then I open up that cabinet and those Swiss rolls start calling my name. And what happens? <laughs> That is true. Uh, what happens is this is my ultimate goal, to be 30, 35 pounds lighter. That's my, uh, to be healthy. But then I let something small distract me from what I really want for a right now hit. Come on, are you with me? And, and I, so I'm, I'm great at start. Maybe this is you. Because I'm very ADD when it comes to things. Like I can start a project and I'm like squirrel. And I'm, and I'm over here with something else. Uh, but maybe you're, you, you start a project. This is important. You got to get this done. You know it's important. And then you, I was, you know what? I need to do this over here. So you pull off this project and go over to this less important project and begin to work on it. So what happened? That project never gets finished, right? And then you're on this project. Oh, that needs my attention. So then you go to that, and it becomes an endless cycle of things never getting finished. Now can anybody relate? We're great starters. See, some of y'all right there, you started to raise your hand, but you're like, no. No. Not going to do it. You got to commit sometimes, folks. You want to to commit. <laughs> oh, Lordy. And here's the thing. Some of you, you might not acknowledge it vocally. But when I talk about those things, you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm great starting. I'm great. And here's the thing. There's some things we can get distracted. We're on something. We get distracted from it. It may cost us some weight gain or not losing something. It, it, it may cost us not being able to buy this gadget or toy when we want. But there are some things that if we allow ourselves to get distracted from, from those things that we know we should be doing, five or ten years later, we're looking back thinking, how did I get here? There are some things in our life we cannot afford to be distracted from. There are some things that we've got to learn how to finish strong. Starting strong is great. You know what's better? Finishing stronger. That's what's great. So I want to look at a story that's found in the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 6. And it's a great reference point of how to finish strong. Uh, let me give you a little bit backstory before we jump into Scripture. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Nehemiah 6. If not, I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Uh, it's 444 B.C. Uh, Nehemiah is the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes of Persia. Uh, one day, Nehemiah's brother shows up from uh, Nehemiah's homeland, which is about a thousand miles away. And him and Nehemiah are having a conversation, and Nehemiah says, Hey, how are things back home? How are things back in the homeland? And Nehemiah's brother's like, Man, it's not good. Uh, our walls around their city have been demolished, tore down. And, and, and you need to understand back then, walls around the city, th that represents security. When the walls were down, anybody could come in to the city. And his, his brother's like, man, things are not good. The walls have been torn down. The people are scared. And furthermore, it's really an embarrassment to our God what has happened 
to the city. And Nehemiah immediately feels a nudge of God. And it says he begins to pray about what to do. And God says, go rebuild the wall. Nehemiah almost immediately says yes. And after a time of prayer and fasting, says he goes to King Artaxerxes and says, hey, give me permission to go back to my homeland and to rebuild the wall. The king, he finds favor with the king. The king gives him his blessing. Nehemiah sets out on this travel for around a thousand miles. Once he gets there, he goes into reconnaissance mode. He goes out at night checking out where the damage really done, what really needs to be done on the wall, what really needs to be done in the city. After a few days of that, he pulls God's children together, said, hey guys, God sent me, God spoke to me, let's rebuild the wall. They begin work on the wall and are almost finished. Now, how many know every story has to have a bad guy? This story is no different. It's got at least three bad guys. And that's where we're going to jump in today, Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, bad guy, Tobiah, bad guy, guess in there, uh, thank, you, thank you, don't leave me hanging. And the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I still hadn't set the gates or the doors in the gates. So Nehemiah is doing what God told him to, right? He, he, he's not letting you know. He said yes to the voice of God. He's starting the process. He's almost finished. And that's where some of you are today. You started out this year saying yes to God. You started walking the process. And some of you are almost there at your breakthrough where you're finishing it out. And here's what you need to understand. There's a spiritual principle that always comes into play. And if you don't know it, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give it to you. It's this. The closer you get to finishing what God started in you, the harder your enemy is going to fight to stop you. The closer you get, the closer you get to, to finishing what God's starting in, you better believe there's a fight on your hand. That, that sin you're about to conquer, that addiction you're about to conquer, that marriage that is about to be healed, that relationship, you better believe the enemy's going to try to stop you. He's going to stop. Listen, you don't face spiritual opposition when you're not trying, when you're not trying to do the right thing. You don't face spiritual opposition when you're uh, not trying to quit the addiction, when you're not trying to live a, a godly lifestyle. You face spiritual opposition when you say yes to God and you start that road to recovery. When you start saying yes to those things, that's what you say, Kelly, man, my life's good. I'm not facing any spiritual opposition at all. Maybe you ought to check your relationship. I say that kind of jokingly. But I, I'm going to tell you, if you were, if you were born into the, the philosophy that, hey, get saved and everything will be a bed of roses, you were lied to. It's tough. It's tough walking this road. It, what, what, come on, Kelly. It's, it's tough when somebody cuts you off not telling them they're number one with the wrong finger. Can we be honest? You see somebody do something, say something against your family. It's not, uh, it's tough not to go give them the right hand of fellowship and the left. It's tough. So anybody told you, but, but he's going to come at you uh, when you're trying to do the right thing. And God has been moving you towards something and you're about to see a breakthrough. Guess what? You're going to hit resistance. 
Let's say you decide, hey, our marriage, man, we're going to get more involved at church. We're going to grow spiritually together in church. We're going to worship together. And, man, you make that declaration, and then that Sunday morning you're on the way to church, and all hell breaks loose in the minivan. You and your wife are at each other's strokes. You're like, get back up. You got the kids. You got the hand. Come on. And then you get to church and you close that door. And then it's like, blessed, holy favored. <laughs> blessed, holy favored. God bless you. There's going to be resistance when you're trying to do the right thing. Come on. You, you, you say, you know what? I'm going to spend my, we're going to start tithing. God, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to trust you. The Bible says to test you. I'm going to start tithing. Here it is. Let's get this today. And then driving home, transmission goes out of your car. You better believe the moment you say, God, I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to do it. You are going to face resistance. You decide, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do what's right. You wake up Monday morning. You go to the gym, man. You're feeling good about yourself. You show up at the office, and somebody's decided, hey, it's Krispy Kreme Day at the office. <laughs> and I know Krispy Kremes are a spiritual, um, what is the word? Delicacy. I mean, come on. Some of y'all do communion with Krispy Kreme. You got your coffee, you take the donut. Mm. <laughs> Come on. The closer you get to doing what God wants to do in you, the harder the enemy is going to fight you. And he's got a strategy. You know that. He's not dumb. He has a strategy. Here's one thing, uh, the enemy's strategy. Your enemy wants to distract you. He want, You're doing this. God told you to do this. He wants to pull you off that thing. He wants to distract you. You made some choices to start out this year. Things are going to be different. You're focused. You've got your eye on the prize. And then comes a distraction. That's what happens to Nehemiah. Check out verse 2. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Oh, no. But they were scheming to harm me. What is Sanballat and Geshem doing? They're trying to distract him from what God told him to do. And so they say, hey, listen, uh, meet us at oh no. And Nehemiah says, oh no. Come on. That was funnier in my head. Come on. <laughs> That's so stupid. Anyway. <laughs> they try to get his attention off something other than what God told him to do. Let's get him off the wall. Let's get him uh, distracted. Can I tell you, the enemy's tactics have really not changed at all. He wants to get you distracted. Can, 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 I, can I be honest? Listen, I don't think it bothers the enemy so much when you come down and say a prayer and give your heart to God. I mean, yeah, he's kind of bothered. But if that's all you do, and then you come in here and you on Sundays, maybe a Wednesday, every now and then, but that's it? I don't think that bothers Satan at all. I think what really bothers him is when God tells you something and he sees you begin to move toward what God told you to do and you begin to walk in your gifting, you begin to walk in your calling, you begin to walk in what... That bothers him because he knows something is going to happen. 
So, so I'm, I'm going to tell you, he, he's going to try to distract you and get you to do something other than what God wants you to do. He, he, the enemy's smarter than people give him credit for. Like with me, like I'm not going to be walking out of the quick stop or 7-Eleven or whatever it is, and a guy be out there is like, hey, 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 got some crack. I'm not going to be, oh, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. But he, what I'm saying is he knows where to hit me. He knows what my distraction is. But I also say this. He doesn't always use bad things to distract us. He'll use good things to distract us. Because then we can work it out in our mind while we should come off this. And because this is a good thing. Listen, I, I, told, I, I said this years ago, and, uh, and I was trying to remember when I said but people will, will tell us, hey, hey P- PK, y'all, y'all ever started, thought of starting a school at the, at the church well, since I've been here? And my answer was no, but what I wanted to do was add a word before the no to more adequately relate how I felt about that. Why? Because that may be a good thing, but that's not what God called us to do. And I don't want to be distracted by something good and miss out on something great that God has called us to do. Are you hearing me? And so here's what I have found out. It's often the little distractions that over time, they become the big distractions. You ever been in a room, quiet room, you're trying to study, you're trying to pray or do something like that, and you're sitting there, it's quiet, and then you hear, And you feel something. And then you're like, what, what is that? And then it gets quiet. And you're like, okay. So you go back in. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it lands on your face. And you're trying to swap it off. And then you were involved in this project at one minute. The next minute, you are, are on an all-out manhunt for a fly. <laughs> you let something small distract you from what was important. It's often the little distractions that become the big distractions from what God wants you to do. And like I said, those, sometimes those, those distractions aren't necessarily bad things. I, I love uh, Karen Taylor coming to me a couple of weeks ago on a Monday night prayer. And we were closing out prayer and she said, I, I want prayer. Would, would you guys pray for me? She said, uh, I've been coaching girls ball for a long time and I love it. But this week after your message, God said, step away from that. So you can create space for something else I want. And you could tell it hurt her. It bothered her. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, there are some t- times this may not be bad. This may not be wrong. But God's saying, listen, I'm trying to create space to be able to do something else. This is good, but I want you over here because this is going to be great when I'm done with you in it. And I love what Karen did. She said, because she, a lot of times if it's something good, We'll try to justify it in our minds and work out why we should keep doing it. Come on, am I alone in that? And, and she said, I, I called her up, told her, said, listen, this week's my last, last week coaching. Uh, I'm saying the girls know. I'm saying bye to them. I love that. No hesitation. said, God told me this. And so I'm going to do it. I'm not going to give the enemy time to come in and try to distract me from something other than what I know God wants for me. Was, it, was that bad? That, uh, was her coaching young girls, was that a bad thing? No. 
But I can't wait to see the great thing that God's going to do through her by her clearing out space with something else. I'm telling you, you got to watch for it. She refused to allow something good to distract her from something great. I, I'm, I'm confident there are marriages in this room that you got a good marriage, but you're settling for a good marriage when God wants you to have a great marriage. But you're settling for good. Uh, Nehemiah's on the wall. Let's get going. He, he's doing what God told him to do. His enemies come along, trying to distract him, trying to get him off the wall. But I love the way Nehemiah responds. Verse 3. So I sent messengers back to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm telling you, the enemy's going to come at you. And what you feel like may not, it, it is a great work you're doing. You just don't realize it yet. But what we've got to get is this attitude and say this when the enemy comes at us and say this, I'm not coming down. Now say that with me, but say it with attitude. I'm, I'm not coming down. Woo. I don't need to get y'all to repeat that. Y'all are angry folks. I'm not coming down. Nehemiah said, I know what God told me to do. I know what he, so I'm not going to come down and, and leave what God told me to do just to appease you. Like, yeah, they'll get mad if I do this. You're doing a great work. Don't come down. You're doing a great work. You have to say no to distractions even if they are good. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 23? He said, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, just because I could do it doesn't mean I should do it. Are you hearing me, church? Just because you could carve out time, what has God called you to do? What is God calling you to do? We have to learn to say, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. You want real life and lasting uh, change and transformation? You've got to say, I'm not coming down. What does that look like for me, PK? Here's what one of them looks like. Some of you, we've got some, sing, some uh, uh, stay-at-home moms in here. And you're pouring into those kids every day. But then you look and hear about other friends, other moms that have got careers, that have got jobs, that are providing what you need to understand, you're doing a great work. And you cannot afford to come down right now. Because those kids need you to pour into their lives right now. And you've got to say, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I refuse to. Others, uh, you've got a business that you're starting. Or you're start, uh, starting in my disciple, the discipleship group that, that I've got going on. It's getting ready to start up. And, and the funny thing is, when you make a decision, I'm going to attend this, I'm going to do that, you start getting invitations to do a lot of other things. And you've got to say, no, no, I'm doing a great work. And I'm coming down. Ladies, how many knew that you've got two opportunities together with other women during the week to grow in your faith in Bible study and community? We've got a Tuesday and a Thursday morning. We've got a Tuesday morning over time out in Spring City. They meet at 10 a.m. Leanne teaches them. My wife goes to it every week. Then we've got Thursday mornings here at the church at 9 a.m. in the fellowship hall. Use those opportunities to grow. Men, my Tuesday nights are going to be starting back up here in a few weeks. Use those. I, Denise and I had breakfast with a couple yesterday morning. 
And I was talking to him about, he was in our last group. And he said, when's the next one starting up? And I was telling him, he said, Pastor, I grew more in those eight weeks meeting with you and those few guys than I ever have in my life. I'm telling you, it matters. See, the, the, the 45 minutes I have that I talk to you on Sundays, that's not going to be enough for you to really, really grow in what God's wanting to do for you. That's why I love Thursday nights coming out. Man, I, when I first started the, uh, the uh, Celebrate Recovery with them, I thought, yeah, I'll be the pastor that helps you for the first month. But you know what? I've, I, I love it. I love coming out, hearing the stories. Uh, Thursday night, we had uh, two people that got um, the, the chips. One was six months, and one was nine months or three and six months. I, I'm, I'm over here. I don't even know them, and I'm like, praise God. God's moving. I'm telling you, that happens, guys. And you've got to say, you know what? I can't come. While I'm here, celebrate recovery. You're going. You're plugged in. You're seeing God move. And the enemy's going to try to bring distractions. And he'll say, no, I am too close to my freedom. And I'm not coming down. I'm telling you, you've got to make that. There's some of you that serve as an usher, greeter, a nursery, WB kids, security, whatever we've got. We've got so many areas you can serve. And the enemy will tell you that's not that important. It's not important that you be there on time, early. It's not important that you don't be there at all when you're assigned. And I'm telling you, that's a distraction of the enemy. And you just say, you know what? I'm not coming down because I'm doing a great work. I don't know the hand that I'm shaking as an usher greeter when they walk through the door, what they've gone through that week, and how they just need a friendly face that says, welcome, welcome. I'm telling you, I'm not coming down. He wants to distract you. The second thing he, he likes to do is this. Your enemy wants to discredit you. He wants to discredit you. Look, look, look at verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Uh, another translation says unsealed letter. He came at him. This was the fifth time. Can I tell you, your enemy is persistent. Just because you say no the first time, the second time, the third time, doesn't mean he's going to give up. He's going to keep coming at you. And, and it says he came with an unsealed or open letter. And what he was wanting, see, if you wanted to send somebody a letter, but you didn't just want it between you and them, it was sealed so that when it got there, nobody had read it. And you could tell by the seal that nobody read it. But if you wanted their business out there, let me put it in a, uh, in a term some of you will understand. If you want to uh, tell somebody something via Facebook and you just wanted to, a little concern you might have with them, you might send them a private message. But if you really want to put their business out there, you're going to write a post and tag them in it. Some of y'all need to ask forgiveness right now because you've done that. <laughs> you tag them in it. And that's what Sandbell is warning. I'm going to send this letter because I want whoever's hands it goes in to read what I've written about Nehemiah. What did he write? Look at this. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written. Uh, uh, it is reported among the nations 
And hey, Geshem, the other bad guy, he also says it, that you and the Jews are rebelling. And that is why you're building the wall. And according to the reports we've heard, you want to be their king. And you have also set up prophets to say this about you in Jerusalem. I want you to remember that. You've set up prophets. You've got prophets. You've went to prophets to pay them to say this about you in Jerusalem. And he said, there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So come on down. Let's take counsel together. So he wants to discredit you. One of the ways the enemy uses to discredit you is this, spreading rumors. I'll never forget our first Easter here. We did a, we did a start, kicked off a series called Escape from Zombieland. You, if you're not religious, you would have loved it. If you're really religious, you would have hated it. Because uh, we opened up that Easter sermon, uh, Dancing to uh, a Thriller by Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a great day. Well, then rumors, rumors and we saw lives changed. Uh, but then rumors started coming that uh, I, I got phone calls, I got messages. You had a zombie Jesus in your service? And parts of me wanted to say, yeah, we did, just to see their reaction. But the truth is, no, we didn't. And I responded to, to, to those things. But I, you can be sure when you begin doing what God wants you to do and you get close to finishing it, people are going to talk about you. Come on, anybody experience that? They're going to say things about you. And, and here's the truth. None of what was said about him was true. I mean, Nehemiah had every right to better himself financially. He had every right to take food that, that was given there and, and take it in at his own. But he didn't do any of these. In fact, he took his own resources to try to get others, uh, other people out of debt. He, he used his own resources to help the people. And so the enemy begins to try to discredit him and, and spreading rumors. Do you, do you know how Nehemiah responded? One, he didn't go on a big rant defending himself. I, I'll never forget, uh, it's been four or five years ago, I guess. And uh, we get a, Denise gets a call from our sister-in-law and she says, have you been on Facebook? That, that's never a good thing when they say, have you been on Facebook? <laughs> and says, so-and-so is running you and pastor down and the church and they're talking so much. And Denise said, listen, don't respond to them. Don't respond to anything they say. You're just feeling the fire. Why? Because here's what I know. God can fight those battles better for me than I can myself. And if, yeah. and if I will just train myself to keep my mouth shut when I want to go on a rant, I'll see God's hand. And I'm going to tell you what happened with it. Nothing because people knew this person. They knew they were an idiot. Come on. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, we didn't say anything. Why? Because we want God, you, you take care of this for us. And, and so here's Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah said this, that's not true. He prayed and went back to work. We've got to get that attitude. When the rumors, they're trying to discredit us and spread rumors. That's not true. God, I'm going to pray for them and I'm back to work. Why? Because I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I cannot come down. So he's going to tempt you, 
or he, he's going to uh, try to, to, to do it by spreading rumors. The second way he's going to try to discredit you is this, by tempting you to compromise. Here's what I mean. He's going to try to get you to compromise your integrity, your character, your morals. He's going to try to get to, uh, care, uh, to your values to compromise those things. In, in verse 10, you're about to see a new character enter into this. A guy by the name of Shemaiah. Shemaiah is a priest. How do we know that? Because only priests were allowed to in, enter the temple. If you weren't a priest and you went into the temple, it was blasphemy. You were the worst sinner. You did not enter the temple if you weren't a priest. So look what Shemaiah does. Let's try another tactic. Shemaiah said, hey, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. Let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. He says, hey, so he's being nice. He's trying to tell him, I'm on your side. People are coming to kill you. Let's go into the temple. I know you're not allowed to be in there. Let's go into the temple. But I said, should a man like me run away? Should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. And I said, God's called me to do this. And if God has called me to do this, I don't have to defend what I'm doing. God will stand by me. I, I, I am not going. Listen, guys, this next part, we're about to read this next verse 12. I'm telling you, it is vital when you allow people to speak into your life and you allow the voices in your life because there are some people that you will think have got your best interest at heart because of position they hold. Let's look at this. Shemaiah's a priest. Look what happens. Nehemiah says, I realize that God had not sent him. But he had prophesied. Remember, they accused him of prophesying. But this guy had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Soundballot had hired him. I'm telling you, you better listen. Be careful of the voices you allow into your life when you're walking through something. Because there will be people, even family, even friends, that you think that they've got the best at, at heart. But when you stay, you know this is what God has told me to do. And there will people will be over here and say, oh, come on, do this. You don't really need to do that. Come on, step over here. But look, look at this, verse 13. He, Shammai, had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. By doing what? Going into the temple. By doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to do what? Discredit me. That's what the enemy wanted to do to Nehemiah. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. Discredit you by getting you to compromise. Here's the truth. It'd been very easy for Nehemiah to fall into this attitude of, hey, why not? Somebody's out to kill me. And after all, nobody else is building the temple. This temple, was, I mean, this wall, the wall was in ruins till I showed up. Nobody else is doing it. So what would be wrong for me to go into the temple? What would be, in fact, I'm, it's probably only right that I go in there. Listen, I, I know we talk a lot about the enemy trying to convince us that we are less than what God says we are. But I'm convinced Another tactic of the enemy is trying to tell us we're really more than we are. Because I'm telling you, as a leader, it's easy as a leader when things are good. 
are going good to buy into the hype that everybody's saying about you. It's, oh, yeah, I am that good. Man, I, well, yeah, I do deserve this. Can I tell you, it'd be easy for myself, for uh, Pastor Ben, Denise, or, or even Candace or one of the others to buy into this attitude? I mean, it'd be easy for Candace to say, why not do something, you know, this, yeah, I know this is a little sketchy, but hey, why not? I don't see anybody else decorating a stage. I don't see anybody else showing up to do the work here. I mean, now she does have a team, so. But do you see how it's easy to fall into that? And, and, and the enemy comes, you deserve this. You owe it to yourself. And that's basically what the Shemaiah said. He said, listen, they're coming to kill you. I know it's a sin. I know it's a blasphemy. Come on, protect yourself. And Nehemiah refused. He refused. And I'll tell you, the enemy tries to get into our minds, trying to disrupt, distract, and causes, try to cause us to lose focus and come down off the wall. But when he does that, again, we've got to have that attitude, I'm not coming down. Say that again with attitude. I'm, I'm not and the second thing we've got to say when he comes at us is this. I'm not giving up. Say it. I'm not giving up. Say it again. I'm not giving Come on. Up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Say what you want about me. Send things my way. I'm not giving up. Try to distract me. I'm not coming down the wall. I am doing a great work, and I'm not coming down, and I'm not giving up. Remember what Nehemiah said to Shemaiah when he tried to get him to come down? He said, why? Should a man like me run away? Should someone like me go in the temple to save his life? I will not go. Nehemiah was like, God sent me here to do a job. And there's nothing you can say, nothing you do that's going to get me to stop doing what I know God told me to do. I'm not coming down and I'm not giving up. Nehemiah refused to be distracted by anything or anyone. If you're not familiar with this story or know the ending of it, here's how it ends. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. 52 days. Here's what I love about this story. No lightning from heaven that came down and just decimated the enemies of God. They didn't hold a prayer meeting and pray God build the wall and wake up the next morning and bam, the wall's built. Come on, ain't that way we like want our miracles? Nothing like that. Here was the miracle that took place. God spoke to a man a thousand miles away from his homeland. That man responded with a yes, moved back to his homeland and began to put in the work that needed to be done. See, I know we want to see the miracles. We want to see the lightning. We want to see everything go. But sometimes here's the miracle. That's just doing what God has told us to do in the first place. That's just staying true to the assignment. I, man, I know, I know we want to see, even in church, we want, to see, we want to come in here. And believe me, I'm all for that. Saying, man, in fact, I, I said, Somebody said, man, don't you want one of those services where God moves and, and the, you don't even have to preach? I'm like, I would love that. Can we do that today? I would love that. But some of you grew up like I did. 
where the power of God would fall. And you'd see people run the aisles. You'd see people run down to these altars every week. But nothing changed about them. Nothing changed. Come on. I want to be a part of a body where we're raising up disciples. Where when we leave this place, the move of God is happening when we go to work. The move of God is happening when we go to school. The move of God is that when I'm at the park walking around or playing ball. The move of God is at Walmart when I walk in. I want, I want to, I heard a guy say this. He said, I quit praying for revival. I just decided I am the revival. I am the revival. And we can either pray, keep praying for a move of God, and I'm all about that, or we can decide, I am the move of God. He, you want to know why you're in Meigs County uh, or wherever you live this time of, of a decade, this time, this seasoning, this place, while you're in the school, the workplace? Maybe God said, you're the move of God. They need in that place. Many times, God's just saying to his people, you'll see the move you want to see when you decide not to come down off the wall and keep doing the work I've assigned you. Look at verse 16, and we're closing. When all our enemies heard about this, heard about what? The wall being built, 52 days. When they heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of their God. Everybody, their enemies, those in the surrounding counties, they heard not that it was Nehemiah, but God helped Nehemiah. I am, this is why I'm convinced God decided to bring Denise and I back home to pastor. So that when God moves, because people know who I used to be here. And they, Kelly Goins is pastor there. Or is it the same one? I'm convinced of this. So when they see, hear about it or see a move of God, they're like, that can't be Kelly. That can't be Denise. That's got to be God moving in that place. And listen, I heard you laugh. But look who I'm surrounded by. Absolutely. I love one of my favorites. It says that uh, David w was with his band of heathens. I'm like, that's my church. <laughs> Why? Because I believe when God moves, and he, he's already started moving, that even the more intense it gets, it's going to be like, that cannot be them. That's got to be God moving in and through them. Because I don't, I, I never want to take glory for anything that gets done here. Because I know it's not me. I know my weaknesses. I know I'm human. And the moment we put leaders up here on a pedestal, they fall. And I'm not about to. So I know it's God. It's God. If something happens here, it's God. It's not me. It's not Denise. It's God. It's God. We've got to be willing to say yes. Yes. Karen, I cannot wait to see what God does with the space that you cleared out in your life. Because I have a feeling it is going to be life transforming. 
not just for you, but for your entire family. Cannot wait. Kenzie, cannot wait. See what God does with the room that you've cleared out of your life. There's still stuff in that room. And that's all right. There's a lot clear, more cleared out than what it used to be, isn't it? And the thing is, every week you show up, that room gets a little less empty. And I cannot wait to see what God does in your life. Gina, God's going to heal and complete and make that marriage whole. We're going to see him come to God. I'm telling you. Kelly, you don't know. I'm telling you, I'm calling those things that are not as if they were. I'm believing we're going to see it. I'm believing we're going to. I, I believe Jackie and, and Mark back there, they're not the only two people that are going to be healed of cancer in this house. I'm believing we're going to see it more. Emmy. Hey, let's, let's, let's close our Facebook audience off for now. I mean, because I feel like.